0: Welcome to The Nat and Sarah Show, where we aim to touch, move, and inspire you every single week. Really? We're really going to introduce our own show? Maybe we should leave it to the pro.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. One second, ladies. Here we go. Sarah Maxwell and Natalie Cook are experts in visualization and deliberate use of the law of attraction. As dynamic world athletes representing Canada and Australia in beach volleyball, they honed in on achievement at the highest level, winning an Olympic gold medal on her home beach of Bondi is a pinnacle example. Their powerful techniques transmute the spiritual to the tangible, allowing thousands of their community members to bring their vision boards to life. Recently, they've taken their expertise on the road as the full-time family, where they inspire coach, and lead people to create their unique, deliberate family life using a simplified three-step process. Welcome to the Nat and Sarah Show. Join us for twice-weekly episodes. Each week, Nat and Sarah will teach us how to deliberately create results in all areas of life using their unique three-step process. Not only that, they'll also sit down with some of their favorite high achievers who have manifested what most merely dream about. Are you a member of the community? Go to bit.ly slash the Nat and Sarah Show to download your three-step journal to follow along with each workshop style teaching episode. And get ready to take action on your inspirations.
0: Today, we continue the conversation with Australia's most grounded architects. (laughs) She will laugh at this. I proclaim this because I can't imagine another architect firm in Australia who could sit for 40 days in meditation without uttering a word. Not that Vipassana meditators would ever challenge one one another to such a feat, but I continue to be astounded by how today's guest, Monica Obrist, which I just, as I'm saying it, think I'm probably saying that really poorly because originally from Austria, um, I just love the way she brings the breath to her daily mode of operating. Originating, like I said, from Austria, Monica and her husband, Erhard, again, probably butchered, but I call him Ed, so that saves me. They have been practicing Vipassana meditation for the past 15 years, and more recently became teachers of the technique. When they started their architectural firm Refresh in 2010, it was only a matter of time before accolades such as House of the Year was bestowed upon them for their New South Wales Beach House in 2015. Currently, this couple are creating accessibility by providing housing for people with disability and i wanted to showcase monica and ed's life so our community that's growing could see how incorporating meditation into business leads to a whole other level of success so monica should we tell everybody how we met definitely <laughs> i just we don't normally start shows like that but the way we met is so funny and it makes me look so silly but but it makes you look so great. So I thought I'm going to quickly share, and Monica interrupt. But Monica was asleep. No, that's okay, you were asleep for most of this story. But Monica was one of the. Um, well, actually, what was your role at that Vipassana? I was a
2: female manager. That's sort of the official term.
0: Okay, got it. So she was a female manager, helping our us females and. I had thought that I'd been given the greatest role at the Vipassana weekend meditation, which was to ring the bell at 4.30 a.m. ish. Now, if you're listening, you're like, that is not a good job. But see, the thing that you learn when you go to these um, <coughs> Vipassana <laughs> sessions is you start to get a deeper understanding of yourself and how you operate. So my ego was really excited that I got picked for the bell to ring at 4.30, never realizing until seeing some more experienced, the Passion of Meditators, that this is the most dreaded job. So I didn't sleep a wink that night. I was so concerned with doing a great job at ringing the bell. So I I had my eye on the bell. I knew exactly what was going on. I knew I had my whole tactic of how I was going to brush my teeth get up go to the bathroom get changed do this whole thing so this is why I couldn't sleep like I had to plan it to be the perfect bell ringer so I get up get my toothbrush in my hand I'm in the bathroom and I come back and I look in the window as I'm trying to open my door to my room and it's locked so it locks from the inside and inside my room is the bell so perfect meditator, perfect bell ringer has now, you know, now I'm in anxiety and freak out. And I start to remember where was that female manager? Oh my God. Like where was her room? I don't remember. I was focused on my bell. So off I trudged. I knocked on a couple wrong doors until there was not so smiley Monica, but still good humor. And Monica, you brought me, you saved me. You, you got a key for my room. And the bell got rung. No, you said to me, don't ring the bell. You're too late. You've missed it. So we rang a second bell together, I think.
2: Yeah, it was, for me, it was a bit slightly different, but that's okay. (laughs) Because you got the first bell right. But I think then, like the second bell, that was at 4.30. Like you rang the bell at four. And then you must have locked yourself out to do the second bell. Oh,
0: well, I wasn't so imperfect.
2: So, you weren't that imperfect. So, I just have to, <laughs> all these years that we know each other.
0: <laughs> I, I just, it's it's a just like, story. Sorry. Oh, I feel so much better. See why you should tell your truths. You know, Monica, that has been your role in my life. You always make me feel better.
2: <laughs> but that, that was the case, actually, because I always like, set myself an alarm as well when I'm a female manager on those courses for making sure the first night the bell ringer actually rings the bell.
0: Oh, great. So
2: four, like sharp, the bell rang and I was happy. So I went back to sleep. And then 20 minutes later, that's when you woke me up.
0: So I imagine we're not going to talk about bell ringing the whole time, everybody. But was I, I'm sure I'm not the only one that has not rung the bell, but I think most people do it because they're busy sleeping. Is that right?
2: Exactly. Correct. Yes. Like you were pretty much one of the few people that locked themselves out there's a few
0: <laughs> oh gosh monica like what i love so much is that we met like that and you were all business that morning and you were helping all of us um you know sit in meditation but i'm so curious how you and ed first started vipassana like how did how did you even get involved to do your first vipassana sit?
2: So to cut a long story short, when we came to Australia, like we left Austria with a bit of a adventure mind, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And because our visa wasn't processed, but we still couldn't really bear another winter in Austria, we decided, we oh, we just travel in Australia. And by traveling, we kept meeting interesting people along the way. And everyone, every single person like that we met and sort of had a bit of a spiritual experience. Um, Exchange said, like, if you really want to grow personally, you need to start meditating. So I came to a point where I said to Erhard, Yeah, but how, like, where do I start? Like, where do I find a meditation course? And then we met friends that we had met traveling, and they told us about the Vipassana, like a friend of that friend had just finished a Vipassana course and I had met him before and after. And the moment I've se- I had seen him and sort of heard about Vipassana and the 10 day courses and that there was a center close by, I was like, I need to do that. And I think for some people it is, um, they hear the word Vipassana and they just need to go. For other people, it takes them like 10, 15 years to actually do their first course. And some people never really do it, but for both of us, for Erd and myself, indi- individually, it was, well, we need to do that. Mm. And so, like, the next day, we just applied for a course wow. and didn't even listen. Like, I had no, like, I sort of recalled when I was on the course yeah. that uh, my friend did say it was hard and it was long and all that. But, like, at the time when I applied for the course, nothing of that actually had, had stuck to me. So,
0: Yeah, it's funny how, how you... Um, you don't even remember why you said yes in the first place. And there you are <laughs> sitting there wondering, well, how, how did I get here? Because exactly, I mean, 15 years, Monica. So, and, and just let everybody know um, over the 15 years, did you go back and sit again or how did, how does it, how has it worked over the past 15 years?
2: So for both of us individually, we did the course parallel, but not at the same center, just, because we felt that was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And then you don't quite know, like how is your partner perceiving it? Um, do they like it as much as you do? And like when I finished my first course, I just wanted to stay and continue being at the center and keep meditating or keep like facilitating. And so when we met again after the course, Erhard sort of said like he loved it as well, which is great. And um, he said, "Now let's take it slow. And which was a bit of an unusual response from his side. Okay. But we ended up actually three days after to go back to the meditation center and help facilitating a course. So that was his way of, of sort of saying it slow.
0: Yeah, that's what I was just... I was like, <laughs> is that Ed's version of slow? Yes.
2: <laughs> no, it wasn't actually planned by him. That was sort of me influencing him. <laughs> and really, I think we both like we just never stopped really um it is sort of the advice after the course that you meditate an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening Mm -hmm. and we thought like well let's see how that works and if it works for us um well then we'd sort of like implement it and if it doesn't really make a difference in our daily life and it doesn't sort of like lead us to like live a happier life then we just try something else and so here we are 15 years later (laughs) still doing it and we do go back regularly obviously have just been but for for how many
0: days have you just been
2: so this one was actually not 40 this was 30 days but last the year before we said um we were on a 45 days so
0: oh you got you're getting a bit slack only the,
2: business, business creeped up. So yes. <laughs> so we have sort of that responsibility and in the whole part of, of the Vipassana, um, I think is also like to not make it just um, for, um, for nuns and monks, but actually really for normal people that actually have a, a, A role in society and and might have family and and just are able to actually put that practice that they learn at a a 10-day course or at a longer course and really put it in action in our daily society in the mundane world as well and that's definitely something Erhard and me both strongly feel that we want to still do and, and keep doing that's why we run the business as well as focus, focus on meditation and try to juggle the two.
0: You know, for me, that was the impact you both had by just being who you were was that. I, I always had boxes, I think. I think I thought meditation is something that you need a lot of time for. And maybe one day when I'm sitting in a cave alone, then I'll meditate more often. And seeing you both be so, um, I could just relate that you had a business and that you were doing something out in the world and then you were using the principles in your life, in your relationship, mm-hmm. and as a business. I, I just, for me, that just opened up a whole new chapter. So, firstly, thank you for that because that's why now that we're doing a podcast, I was like, I really want people to be exposed to you both. Because, can you sort of describe a little bit how Vipassana operates? your business, because that's a big question and we can get into specifics, but how would you say it actually lives inside of your business?
2: You know, like a lot of businesses, like they have sort of like their, um, I guess like their mission statement or like sort of like, um, sort of like something like that they relate to like what the staff needs to do. And we, we like feel like we are lucky that, um, we have like one other person working with us who is also like a Vipassana meditator, not as extreme as we, (laughs) but, (laughs) but has that same, I guess, base model, like sort of same models and same attitudes. And I think that is one of the big, um, differences we have in our in our business as well like when when things are tough like when I might have made a mistake for various reasons Mm -hmm. and then actually having that that moment where you go to the client and tell them like really what has happened and we have never ever had the situation that a client would be upset about like that situation yes they might not be happy about that a mistake has happened But at the same time, acknowledge like we are humans. We have tried our best, but it might not have like might have been an oversight or might just have been a situation that was a bit complicated or we didn't quite know what we were in for. And that is one of, I think, the biggest strength for us and for me personally in business that you can actually be um, be honest and and be just direct and don't have to pretend to be someone else or like better than you are or wow. like. So that, that is actually, I would say, like one of the core principles that, that uh, we run Refresh on to really have that base of, of strong relationship with, with anyone that works with us.
0: Yeah. And I know, I love that firstly, because I think that a lot of people who are taking themselves on endeavor to live that a little bit in their personal life. But the thought of doing that in a business is just a little bit um, scary, perhaps. So I know that you've just been tested. That's right. Yeah. So can you describe, you know, because everybody in good times seems to be able to operate their principles. But when things Mm. so you you and Ed were just challenged in, in the three of you in the business. So yeah, what's just happened that's challenged you?
2: So we have sort of um, made a conscious decision that um, also like um, I think we have as as architects, we have a role to really like to society as well. Like we create buildings that last for a very long time. Mm. And there's also like that responsibility towards society to do something, something sensitive, something that might be long lasting, hopefully that uses little resources, but still has like fulfills aesthetics as well as function and what we have done last year was that some um, some of, of of the principles that didn't really follow through for our projects, we actually decided uh, that we don't focus on those projects anymore. We actually really like try to go to the core of of those values again. And by doing so, it meant that we had less jobs, less income, but and like sort of um, at the same time, uh, a bit of a ta- downturn um, in Australia or Brisbane specifically.
0: Mm-hmm. And that
2: sort of com- combined meant that we had just less jobs on the books and smaller jobs on the books.
0: Yeah.
2: And sort of sitting that out and knowing like you, you di- we did the right decision and we will still survive, that was actually quite challenging. And also knowing... I think Vipassana, like one of the principles is obviously um, most people might not be familiar with it, but it is that sense of, of change that nothing is actually permanent. There's a constant like uh, impermanence around us human beings and, and this this world and like learning to be okay with that with that situation and that it's not pleasant but that might not last forever and you can actually do like little changes in in your daily life to make like for a better outcome ultimately and here we are sort of half an hour half half a year later and we just have really amazing amazing projects and uh, amazing sort of way of of it's a bit like um the lotus flower that has to go through the mud to then actually have that beautiful flower.
0: Oh, I love that. What a, what a cool example. And you said something, I don't know if you meant to, but you said we had to sit through that time. And I thought about the fact that you and Ed, you know, in the morning and in the evening you sit and that's right. And, and that's kind of patience to sit literally through the mm. the muddy period, and and hmm. realize that it's not permanent. Um, That's right. And you had, de- like, you you know, sometimes this is what I did anyways. I would attribute inhuman um, emotions to someone like you who teaches Vipassana. I would think, oh, she doesn't really understand what it's like to, to get doubtful, you know, to have doubts <laughs> or her fears or whatever. So in that time, Monica, <laughs> did you ever think, like is this going to end or are we going to be okay? Are we going to have to shut the doors? Do you, do you have doubts?
2: To be honest, I think like, if you look at us humans and sort of like what some of our ancestors had to go through, like, just like saying like world war one, world war two or so, which was reasonably close to where, where my family comes from. Mm. And, and just like, they all like, either survived or didn't but um like they made the best out of it and you can always have that choice you can like every moment like you see sort of like people that that fell like for like the wrong reasons and and sort of like went down a path that didn't really lead them to any happiness and then other people like even in the darkest hour they had the strength to stick to their morals and and try to do the best thing even though they might have had like nothing to eat or so they still like somehow manage to survive. And that's purely based on sort of their decision and their mental strength at that moment. Mm. And we, I think, have it reasonably easy in the West at the moment. And we are actually like completely oblivious to some of the really deep stuff that other other people have to go through. And so in those moments, I always think of, of such people as well, like I mean I've just been in India, and I see like people living in immense poverty there and and just really don't even have a proper house to live in, but they actually like smile and they have like that personal strength and and connection to their immediate environment because they highly rely on good friendships with their immediate neighbors and and that's actually what's what's the true values I feel. We, we can all learn from and, and draw from in such hard times as well.
0: Do you find living in, the, in a Western society, so let's say you return from India, you've sat for 30 days, and then you come back into relative wealth, um, like seemingly a lot of wealth, and you know, the different attitudes and apathies. Like how do you deal with, that like how do do you like put it all together
2: it's challenging I mean you obviously question like sort of how much is enough and it's you can't quite compare and I don't think you have to like you're a better human being if you if you let go of of all like those sort of worldly desires like I mean ultimately that might be a goal yeah. But I'm, I'm not there yet. So I do enjoy my good cup of coffee. and uh,
0: <laughs> I know that about you. Live you know in a nice house. <laughs> yes.
2: yes. And, and have a peaceful environment and have a clean environment. But at the same time, um, I, I'm also conscious of like my desires to want more. Like, do I want to have a new house again? am I not satisfied with my current situation? Why am I I not satisfied with certain things? And mostly it's not actually the external thing that makes you unhappy. It's something internal that you feel like, uh, I've been like in the same situation too long. I want to have like some, some pleasure in buying a new, I don't know, a new car or, or something new. Like that's just like stimulating you for the moment. And it's it's that moment like you can still do that and there's nothing wrong and i still do that and i get then like sort of a pleasure out of of that as well if i look at my new bicycle that i bought last year i, I still think it's new <laughs> it, it's just so nice to to like actually ride it but at the same time it's it's um i yes i have more attachment to it than i would have had to my old bicycle so I'm sort of scared that someone might steal it, but at the same time, it's not making me happier. Really, like it makes me, it gives me pleasure at the at the moment. But ultimately, the real, like true happiness is is just being content with whatever your environment is. And I don't need to change that. Like I'm, I'm lucky, and we are all like you are lucky that we were born in a certain family, in a certain circumstance, have certain skills that we were able like to to provide something that society like acknowledges and appreciates and
0: so what's, that, that, itch- what's sharing- that itchiness though monica like what's that reason that we want to have something new like more what, what is that like you in vipassana speak even what is that arising
2: well, it's the pleasant sensations. We have sort of certain levels of attachment, of pleasure, of like new things. And, and it, is, it is a very deep-rooted, like we have sort of like either aversions to certain things or, or situations, or we have cravings to like good food or, or like things. That, I've <laughs> just we, been in
0: Barcelona. I can tell you about that. Yes, craving.
2: Exactly. Oh. You get like that overstimulation in a city like Barcelona. <laughs>
0: Totally. And, and there's something cool about
2: it um and but like ultimately um if you really grow more in on, on a personal level there's less of that needed for you to be just happy you might just actually find happiness just being at home and and just sitting still which i quite appreciate <laughs> yep but at the same time i can also see that um from from a personal development i'm not that far like i need to be with it, like with people and like have a walking distance to a nice cafe i'm not that um pure or like modest yet that i could feel like um no, I don't need that anymore. Other people that I know, they're very happy living a very simple like, life and, and a lot more simple than mine. And I would say on a scale, I'm, ours is already a lot simpler than it was back in Austria.
0: Yeah, right. Um, and I, I know that you've picked a good environment if you need to be close to a good cafe. So well done, Monica, on choosing, you know, maybe in India would be more challenging. I'm not sure. I've never been, you get but good chai there. You get, yeah, good, good call. Good call. I love good chai, but uh, this is something that's always, um, <clears throat> what I've loved about you and Ed, but I've always wanted to ask you and here we are. Um, when you want to set goals for your business, mm. does that run up against like success goals or does that run up against your principles? No, they don't have
2: to. No, No. I mean, obviously you have to be aware, like if you do set those goals, like how much craving is actually involved when you set those to actually achieve them? How unhappy would you be if you don't achieve them? Like even if you have tried your best and like if you still haven't really achieved them at like whatever, like the goal was for a certain time. Yes. then like what 's the level of unhappiness or like punishment to yourself in that thing if if that's free of that attachment to actually succeeding,
0: yes.
2: then that goal is actually free from that craving. so you can still set goals and you can still like want to achieve something in your life and still aim to actually achieve that, but at the same time don't get all worked up emotionally if if it doesn't work out. And I think that's where a lot of people in business might sort of go down a path that they wake up all of a sudden, like, how did I end up here? Because they're so focused on achieving the goal. So they are actually um, bending and turning in, in the business to just achieve that goal. But they might actually leave a few a few people like dead on the side
0: yes. so, or... roadkill road like yes dead, dead bodies yes
2: yes and i mean we certainly we do regularly have um uh business goal setting sessions and and sort of like strategy sessions so we have them regularly
0: yes
2: and um we have we have goals in in our business and we think we have actually quite big goals
0: yeah
2: But they have sort of changed over time as well. Like we realized, I think last year after we came back from meditation, that we had actually achieved all our goals and we hadn't sort of like set the proper new ones. And so that was a good moment for us to recap like and acknowledge as well what we have achieved and then sort of refocus, okay, what else do we want to do? Like how many like exciting houses do you want to, keep doing and i mean not like i get very excited about pretty much every project we're doing
0: yeah but the
2: biggest sort of um goal that we are currently working on is doing that um that project that you mentioned in your introduction like uh it's called nightingale housing and it is Ah, sort of a community-based um project where we try to get get a project off the ground here in brisbane for people like where they can actually live more like what the traditional village would have been. Like where there's people like with disability, there's like elderly people, there's people with families and they all like can actually share certain facilities.
0: Oh, cool.
2: And by doing so, um, they hopefully have access um, either to a better, like better better houses or it might be just like cheaper for them to buy. So It's a bit more beyond my own personal goals.
0: What excites you about that so much, do you think, that community project? What about it? Um, I realized,
2: like, sort of I've been wanting to do that for a few years, but just it wasn't that strong. But last year when we had that goal setting, it was sort of I want to achieve that in the next five years. So that's been out now. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm I'm a year in. You said it.
0: Yeah, she said it live. It's going to be on iTunes. So that must be real.
2: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And um, what excites me about it, like I realized only this year, like when I was meditating, I should have probably focused on something else, but (laughs) that I actually personally grew up in such an environment. And maybe there's something about it, like the way how each of us has grown up, how we actually feel that's how we would like other people to live as well, or our children or grandchildren. Mm-hmm. But I personally feel like most of those people that I grew up in that sort of it was an apartment building. Um, we're doing slightly different one here, but most of them I still know. Like if if they're still alive, like I know what they're doing, and I still like meet them occasionally, and I'm I'm sort of still in contact with those people. And there's something really like caring and nice about that. Yeah, okay. And I think like some of those new apartment buildings where or like even like single residences where you have the high fences and you don't even really know your neighbor, let alone like do something with them. I I find that like very sad and isolating. Mm. And also like in Australia, we are like so um, obsessed with, with real estate. And it really means like we have seen it in the last 15 years that we are here how it gets harder by the minute for a normal income earner, like a teacher or like um, a paramedic to buy their own like piece of land or like their own property. And so I'm hoping that we can actually sort of be part of something that that actually is of value for for future generations as well.
0: Okay. Thank you for describing a little further. I didn't completely understand. So I'm getting that people are going to have common spaces Therefore, they yes. interact with each other, get to know each other, similar to when you grew up and you're still in... Correctly,
2: yes. Communication. Yes. Okay, got it. Yeah.
0: Which and interact? they
2: um, sort of buy their, their property and there's a certain sort of um, strings tied around that, um, how they can actually sell that. So it's, it's not, not purely profit-driven. So, yeah,
0: got it, got it. The economy. Yes. Is so future, horrendous.
2: future generations might be able to access some of those buildings uh, at at different mm. prices than than other buildings. And I think it's, you're it's,
0: bringing, I think you're bringing a bit of Austria or to to Australia, which is such a gift because my other friend that we share, she's lived, like her mother has lived in the same building, all these years, and there's sort of like a co-op program that. Yeah. She, now able, like it kind of caps her um, her rent and allows her and her brother to live close and they know everybody. Yeah, similar to what you just said. It's great. That's
2: exactly true. Like that's what some people actually tell us. That's what we do. And so it's been quite um, successfully done actually in Melbourne. Yeah. And so we hope that we can replicate something similar in Brisbane.
0: Monica, I feel like um, it's a gift to share you you know we've had many um, chats you know over a beautiful breakfast spread at your house and I've I've been able to really understand what helps you and Ed do amazing things out in the world and so thank you for sharing so openly I know you're busy because you are up to something in life and so she doesn't just sit around you know breathing for one hour in the morning at night because she has lots of time on her hands everybody she's you know she prioritizes it and it's something that I've always been really inspired by. So thank you for sharing yourself with our people. You're welcome.
2: Thank you for having me. It's been great.
1: Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community at bit.ly slash The Nat and Sarah Show to download your three-step journal and participate in weekly lives found only in our private group.
0: Hold on, hold on, hold on. Five stars, five stars, five stars, and then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. Thanks.